Welcome to Season 2, Episode 35 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I am your host, Kofi Outlaw, and with me today is the regular crew, Matt Aguilar. What up? Janelle Wheeler. Hey, guys. And you haven't met him yet, but you're meeting him now. We have Mr. Evan Valentine on the show. He's one of our anime experts, wrestling experts, Marvel. I mean, he's kind of, you're kind of a jackknife, but uh, we try to lean on you on the uh, anime side. <laughs> like, yeah, he's part of the whole, uh, our nasty anime squad that includes myself, Nick Valdez, you haven't met, and of course, you guys know queen of anime, Megan Peters. So uh, Evan's here today. We've been trying to get you on for a while, but uh, yeah, getting people slotted in here is hard. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. It's great to yeah, be here. No problem. No problem, man. And we got a variety of things. It's good. We need a jack. We kind of need a jack of all trades today because we have a bunch of different things to talk about. We're going to be talking some Star Wars, some TV. We got an epic movie sequel that's coming our way that's going to make people mad, probably. And <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of you demand it, we are not done with this Snyder Cut talk. We have some other things to talk about. This got heated last time, and it's ongoing, so we're going to keep going with our Snyder Cut breakdown in, turn, in, in light of recent developments. Plus, we got some uh, a TV to review and... I just call this thing Geek Watch now because it needed a segment. It just became a miscellaneous dumping ground. So we're going to go through comics, games, manga, a whole bunch of other geek stuff that we're going to talk at the end. So stay tuned <laughs> for great. all of that. All right. Starting right at the top, uh, we have another unfortunate delay, kind of late in the game delay announcement that I don't think, I mean, and this one kind of annoys me because I, I don't know how deserved this really is, which is that Star Wars, the High Republic. So basically... Star Wars finished the Skywalker saga with Rise of Skywalker. We finished Clone Wars. We kind of were putting to bed everything that's in the Skywalker saga except for the Mandalorian and the, and the story it will tell about the uh, kind of early days of the sequel trilogy. But the next big thing from Lucasfilm before we get the next uh, slate of films from like Taika Waititi and the new show from Leslie Headland is basically we were going to get Star Wars The High Republic, which was just going to be this kind of entire continuity era shift time jump into 200 years before the Skywalker saga, I believe it is, or 100. I always mess this part up, but it's either 200 or 100. It's a couple hundred years. It's 200, I think. Yeah, I think it's 200. Mm. Before the Skywalker saga, and it was going to be a time when the Jedi were like a full force kind of police force of and doing their Indiana Jones thing, kind of exploring the galaxy and satellite conflict, kind of doing a weird Star Trek type deal. But um, they had defeated the Sith Empire, and everybody thought the Sith were gone. But the Sith were kind of rebuilding under the rule of two and operating in secret. And it was the early days of the Galactic Republic in which was this high time of peace and prosperity and all these kind of smaller, important conflicts that later came and, you know, became important, like all the conflicts that led to the Separatist army and all the conflicts that led to all the stuff on Mandalore, like all that stuff happened in this era. But what's good about it is it's a big blob of undefined space. Like Star Wars has never really delved into this whole era and so it was kind of like a fresh start for the series. But the caveat was that we were only going to get it in comics and novels at first. This, this was no screen stuff. This was all on the page. But now it was supposed to kick off this summer. And uh, now due to the coronavirus pandemic, it's been delayed until 2021. So Star Wars, The High Republic will not be arriving until 2021. And like I said, I think I was just kind of annoyed by this one because I felt like Books, comics, stuff like that have a better chance of kind of resuming their Indeed, yeah. in the midst of as restrictions on lockdowns ease. But at the same time, I mean, I get it. I get like, this is a huge undertaking. It's Lucasfilm. It's Disney. Is it like, multiple writers? Obviously. Yeah, it's, it's that. It's not even that, but it's just the production side of it. Like okay. physically producing this many comic books, novels, gotcha. all that stuff. Like, okay. 
is probably pretty hard to do since your factories were shut down and things like that and you can't have people working and it's not like they're not now easing and probably getting back but it's just like you can't meet that production it's so crazy because nerds of the world are going to be in quarantine 2021 as well because we're gonna have so many tv shows books (laughs) comics video okay like we're gonna have so much content to, to like i don't know catch up on 2021 is gonna be crazy yeah, and so basically they released a press release and said, like, you know, it's people have been excited. We're sorry. They said they dropped names of the creative team and said they're still hard at work. This summer they're going to give us an update to kind of show us where they are. They'll probably show off an exciting – because they've already done one trailer. They'll probably do a more exciting kind of, like, iRepublic trailer and give us – to tide us over. But, I mean, that one stings because if we are going to be locked in home, like, it felt like we were going to get an exciting new Star Wars kind of uh, – you know, new chapter of the franchise that we could all delve into and, you know, whoa, we could be reading instead of watching it for once. So like that was, that was going to be kind of taking me back. And I was, I was looking forward to that this summer. So this one stings, but what are you going to do? We all have to make sacrifices to get through these times. And, you know, I'm not going to get too caring about this in first world about it. Uh, Like it's, just missing some books and comics. But uh, yeah, as always, we're going to kind of interested in what the high Republic going to do. We've already started breaking down a lot of this on comicbook.com and you can check that out. And uh, yeah. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah. The trailer is really cool. Yeah. So the new release info is basically uh, the high Republic light of the Jedi and high Republic to a test of courage will be here on right on January, on January 5th. And then the high Republic into the dark will be on uh, February 2nd. This, this so feels are, like with, with um, the announcement of like the High Republic and everything, it feels like Disney is continuing to kind of make their own like extended universe. Like Star Wars fans know that they just had like decades, if not like hundreds of years of different stories and everything. And I think this is cool to kind of like, you know, bring that back in a sense, but also like create something new in terms of like the dynamics and everything. Like me personally, I'd love to see more stories that are like, you know, Jedi versus a more powerful Sith that's outside of just two guys. You know what I'm saying? Like a, a race in and of themselves. And they just retcon the rule of two, which is hilarious. Yeah. (laughs) We now know it's not even a thing because in our constant star Wars retcons, we got that retcon that it's, it's, (laughs) we just need a star Wars series. That's called retcon. That is what the current series basically is. It's just called star Wars retcons. All right. (laughs) So moving right along. RIP 2020 hopes for the high Republic. We'll see you 2021. Uh, over the TV side. So FX put out some interesting kind of information about its 2020-2021 slate today. And we found out two interesting things. First, uh, this was a personal indulgence, but uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is like one of my top favorite shows of all time, is got renewed for season 15, which was in the works, but not official. Now it's official. And that's a big deal because with season 15, Sunny officially becomes the longest running live action comedy series in TV history. Uh, Ozzy and Harriet was kind of the one before it, but uh, it now is the longest running. And it's crazy because you just assume at this point, like there's going to be another Sunny. And I take for granted every time I do a watch through and I'm like, wait, season 10. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking of my favorite episodes. I'm like, I love season 10. And it's like, oh, that was like four or five years ago. Like, oh man. (laughs) Yeah. The show's always been here. Um, It's great. I, don't feel like I have to explain it, but being from Philadelphia, I just give it a quick shout. It's about a bunch of scumbags from Philadelphia, and it kind of takes on a lot of variety of societal topics with these kind of, they're like Seinfeld if Seinfeld people smoke crack, and I don't mean that metaphorically. 
certain characters in the show smoke crack so, <laughs> and a crack addiction. So uh, yeah, um, it's kind of like a crack on crack Seinfeld. So great show, love Sonny. And uh, yeah, now it's in, the, it's in the record books as the longest running TV uh, comedy series. Of course, it doesn't hold a candle to those crazy animated series like The Simpsons and South Park and all that. That's those, those guys are in the 20s. So good for them. Um, also, we're getting American Horror Story spinoff. Which is, I think we had some title debates about what this is even called. Uh, it's called American Horror Stories. So they go on that DC <laughs> approach, which I love. Um, you know, just throw a the or a plural on it and yeah. say, like, you're just kind of a whole new thing. Just make it real confusing for everyone. It's fine. And it's basically what it is. It's the American, story, uh, American Horror Story concept boiled down to one episode standalones. So, which is cool, because we were just talking about how we love things like Are You Afraid of the Dark and all that stuff, those kind mm-hmm. of anthology yeah. stories. And so this will be a kind of a cool little little one with some uh, more name brand recognition behind it, besides like Room 14 or whatever that series that just got canceled was, the Duplass brothers did uh, for HBO, like you know, sci-fi standalone stories. This one actually has a name people recognize and like, and it'll be good. And I think that's better for Ryan Murphy. I don't know about you guys or how many of you follow American Horror Story, but um, it's a show that has been always kind of hit or miss, but like lately some, there's just been some big misses to it. And it's just like the whole seasonal metaphor concept seems like he was getting tired of that. Yeah. And this seems like a lot more fun for him. He can like play around and offer some variety and you never quite know what you'll be getting week to week. And that's kind of cool, I guess. I think that, um, like, well, I, I kind of, I'm on and off with American Horror Story. Like sometimes Same. I'll go back and try to kind of watch like what I missed. Like Same. I watched Apocalypse recently and I think that American Horror Story is an interesting case because it's kind of like it started. My favorite season of it is still the first one, and I think that. Oh yeah, I think, that's, I think it's everybody across. Which the board one was the much. first one? What Murder was that story House. Like? Ah, yeah. I liked the the mental. Yeah, that was season Asylum. Two. Yeah, yeah. People asylum. are split, but I liked Asylum too. It's kind of oh, like the I Wire loved. season two for people. People either like really love it or really hated it. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah. But I like. I think I watched the first four seasons and then I dropped off. Yeah. I, I fell off a little bit on, Co- on Coven um, just because it seemed like it shifted in tone after Asylum. But mm-hmm. I went back and I actually liked Coven because I watched it before Apocalypse because you. Because Apocalypse is, of course, like a callback to Murder House and Coven. It's like a crossover. And you love um, your spooky stuff. Yeah, I do. It's and, like a uh, challenge for me to watch these shows. Like after I complete an episode, I'm like patting myself on the back. Like, <laughs> yes, if, if they're oh, really man, scary. I, <laughs> and yeah, you love like horrific, co- like scary cosplay. Like, I know, it's weird. So you like to Zombies. scare others, but you don't like to be I scared. I don't like to be scared. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we have it clear. Um, and the origin story of Janelle. We got to keep these chapters clear. All right. Keep it going. So, yeah, I mean, and I hear you. Um, no, but it, it is hit or miss. I hated Hotel. Um, I loved Cult. Uh, Apocalypse was good because I just liked, at that point, having seen the series. But I hated 1984. Like, I thought that was, like, really bad. Like I haven't seen that one yet. I remember, like, I tried to make it halfway through, like, Roanoke. And, like, I just... I actually liked Roanoke as a binge watch. I wouldn't have watched it week to week, but I actually caught it like later on as a binge. And I like the kind of, fa- and I like found footage horror. So like, I like the mm-hmm. kind of take on that. But uh, yeah, the point is it's hit or miss. This seems like it'll boil it down, but the stakes will be much lower because if you know, you get one bad episode, it's not like you're stuck with that for a season. It's like you get, you get through one, you watch another and yeah. we could probably bring in a lot more creative talent to kind of do it. And we could get some cool, 
people doing it. Like I'd love to see like people like Eli Roth, Greg Nicotero, different people like take a stab at an episode and, and see what they can do with it. That'd be kind of Jordan Peele, you know, you know, you could bring in. I should love to see Greg Nicotero do that. Yeah. So yeah. American horror stories. We'll see how that one goes, but I'm, uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that one coming up in the, in the new season. All right. So moving right along from horror to horror, <laughs> Scott Derrickson, director of Sinister and of course Marvel's Doctor Strange has just got a new directing job and it's one that's gonna probably ruffle a few feathers because Scott Derrickson is, is finally bringing us the long talked about sequel to Labyrinth which if you do not know your 80s cult hit movies like I mean I was raised on camps that when it rained they like took you inside for audio visual time and mm-hmm. you watched Goonies or you watched Labyrinth or you watched Goonies Labyrinth is my favorite movie Labyrinth. of all time, literally. Wow. I didn't my know. favorite okay. movie of all time. I have the entire pop collection. It's my first like pop collection I got. That wow. Strangely oh. makes I even a have lot Sparkle Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't know what it is, um, Labyrinth was from the Cokefield 80s where we kind of made, where things could be like a lot scarier for kids and you could have these kind of dark, you know, like fantasy adventures for kids like, you know, Goonies, like, labyrinth and it's jennifer Connolly who's babysitting like her uh, baby brother who, who's annoying and she's a teenager and she hates it and she kind of wishes he would like go away and so some gremlins come from a fantasy land and snatch him for the demon king who's played by the irreplaceable david bowie um and she has to basically walk through a labyrinth to get the demon king and save her brother uh and a lot of weird stuff happens on the thing oh yeah i mean yeah, Goonies, Labyrinth, Never Ending Story, and Princess Bride are pretty much like uh, Princess the Bride. movies they kind of fed us as kids over and over again. And so, like, yeah, and- Labyrinth is famous for its crazy kind of like Jim Henson-esque design for the characters, and the actual David Bowie has his awesome musical number with, with Magic Dance, which is like pretty much a pity, an entire epitome of the 80s in one song and like sequence. And like, yeah, and it's a crazy, like I said. So... It's kind of interesting to hear, I say all that to say that Scott Derrickson is taking this on. Because Scott Derrickson is, is a guy who's kind of, he made Sinister, which I recently rewatched, which is, still holds up even more, I think, nowadays. is like a really great and kind of original horror movie concept and well done and how creepy it is. Um, and he went to do Doctor Strange. And of course, famously, like in Doctor Strange, there was always this kind of push-pull with him and Marvel about how freaky he could make it. And that kind of apparently came to the head when he was going to make the sequel, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And he kind so of bummed about ways. this. Yeah. And so he kind <sighs> of parted ways with them. And I also watched Doctor Strange the other day. I've been watching a lot of Scott Derrickson lately. God, um, so good. And so, like, I'm just wondering, like, did they get Scott Derrickson and did he get a chance to maybe kind of had secure more of what his vision for Labyrinth would be? Because the original one is, like, so many things in the 80s. There is this element of darkness and danger to it that makes it's it a, a musical yeah like, let's and be real there's a millions there's a bunch of songs so yeah. the musical thing has kind of been phased out on a lot of remakes and sequels and stuff from that era like they're they're kind of taking out the singing along aspect even in like the disney princess movie like live actions the singing has definitely been diminished it's it's decreased a lot keep it to glee club nerd yeah. <laughs> no, well, I feel like it's more fitting. No, um, I mean, yeah, this I mean, time. yeah, it is. But it, it, I mean, it also isn't the same as what 
enjoy the originals because like oh yeah i mean chili down with a weird like furry fox things with removing their body parts all over the place like that is some scary stuff like i had nightmares with those dudes but they're my favorite part of the movie um and i just don't i can't imagine this movie without bowie but i'm a huge bowie fan but here's the the reason why i love it is because of bowie so with like because we've had experience now with how like Aladdin had to replace Robin Williams, right? Someone mm-hmm. uncom- like incomparable. You can't replace them. Like right. you're never going to replicate them. So is it wise then for them to go for someone like they did completely different? You know, Will Smith is not anywhere close to Robin Williams, but it worked because he's yeah. so different in himself. I mean, who does anyone come to mind? Harry Styles. Or- Really? Yeah. yeah. Harry Styles, the British. Yeah, that's a good call. That's really guy, a little eerie. No, Harry Styles. I mean, he always dress. He already dresses like Bowie and. <laughs> he so, does. Yeah. I think Bowie's <laughs> one not... of his big influences, so I would love that homage. Dude, like, Harry I would Styles love them to do something with took that. Took his biggest song off his album, and he made a weird video about him talking to a fish, like all, all the time. Like, <laughs> like he, he, I mean, he's a good. I think that's a very good call. Actually, it might be the only call. Yeah. I mean, they're all as long as they pay homage in some way, um, I'm cool with it just because I love content. Like, give me more of what I love and let me decide if I want, if I like it or not. If I want to consume it over and over, I will. If I don't like it, I just won't. But it, you know, it was my favorite movie ever. I love Bowie. Um, I, God, could you imagine if they would have made this, you know, a few, 10 years earlier and they would have actually been able to have Bowie reprise his role? Like, I can't even, that would have just been amazing for super fans but um yeah as long as they don't get too crazy with like cgi and they keep things physical like puppets and kind of like what jim henson is known for i just don't want them to go all wacky on us and do some star wars stuff where they start you know putting too much cgi in when we really just want the live like creatures and such I think like a good example of that is like the recently made Dark Crystal with Netflix because mm-hmm. I always felt that that was something oh, of like a, a exactly. sister movie to Labyrinth and everything. Yeah. So that had a really that did a really good job of kind of blending like computer generated graphics with um, Jim Henson's aesthetic and like puppetry work and everything. That show yeah. was gorgeous. Yeah, that show yeah. was gorgeous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the plan. I mean, the Hens- Jim Henson company is all over this. I mean, this is they are the ones who are putting out this sequel. Like, and their creative team is, is at the helm of it. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be the plan. I mean, everybody's kind of going back. I think they've realized that about the kind of old throwback aesthetic. Like, even Star Wars went back to throwing in, like, Babu Frick and Thank Baby goodness. Yoda. Yeah. And like, doing all this stuff with the, getting back to the original puppets. Right. And things like that, because they realized that is such a big part of it. You can't go full prequels on this and just CGI everybody. <laughs> I so, love that they're doing a yeah. like sequel and they're not doing a remake. I think a remake would not be a good idea because no, I mean, you that can't would be, replace yeah. Bowie. And there's no need anymore. People, that's yeah. the other thing people figured out. You don't have to trample over the original. These long, like these direct sequels, which we mm-hmm. call them like way late in the game sequels. Yeah. All you need to do is revisit the premise. <laughs> For this, all you need is a labyrinth, some objective to get through it, and some kind of overarching villain. I've heard point. people talking about uh, it'd be cool to see Toby as kind of the one that has to make his way through the labyrinth um, because he'll be grown up now. Yeah, that'd be, uh, be kind of cool. Yeah, I'm thinking that's a good, easy hook. 
Like yeah. even have Jennifer Connelly show up in there. Mm-hmm. Have a little cameo. Um, and have a little cameo. And yeah, that'd be cool. And uh, yeah, I mean, it'd be cool for a reversal. Cause I was just thinking, cause I don't know what they're going to do with the singing and all that, but gosh, if they could just reference could have, in some way, like have like dance magic dance or something or like yeah, maybe the like, end yeah. sequence, just have like that you, vocal coming in somewhere. Yeah, if it's a guy, but if it's like Toby going through the labyrinth, you could throw somebody like a, not necessarily, but like a Ruby Rose in there and like oh have her God. be like the kind of demon queen and kind of flip both. She's available. Oh, yeah, exactly. That would be cool. Uh, that's sad though. That's sad news. Well, but she's I mean, this is why she's available. Yeah, she's I exactly why. I mean, yeah. She wasn't fired. She left. I know. And she left for exactly these kinds of opportunities <laughs> because Ruby Rose smartly would rather take over a Bowie role in a labyrinth sequel than, you know, <laughs> Suffer another season of Bad Woman and people yelling at her, which not a bad plan. <laughs> but all right, we'll keep you updated. I mean, everybody's going to be looking for what happens with this labyrinth thing. There's a million mm-hmm. Janelles out there with, you know, <laughs> at the masquerade balls and all that. So <laughs> people are going to care. We're going to take a break, but when we get back, we're going to do a bunch of deep dive into some really geeky stuff. So this is what the show is all about. Stay tuned for that. All right, so we're back. Last week, we got into it. Multi- I mean, the Snyder Cut kind of ruled our show last week, first because we were just speculating about it, and then because it actually happened, and we had varying degrees of opinion about the Snyder Cut and what's going on with it. And so uh, we should, I thought we'd revisit because, you know, this kind of came up on Twitter, and people were still kind of either siding, like me and Matt had very distinct different sides to this. Some of those other two dudes were somewhere in the middle doing, saying something, that I don't remember really, but <laughs> something that sounded. I'm actually cool. glad I dodged that. Um, but basically, I mean, I think it's fair to open up outside of our opinions to this kind of larger discussion about what does this thing mean? Not whether we like it or not. Everybody has their opinion of Justice League and the Snyderverse and all that. But like, is this a slippery slope? Is this a victory for fans? Um, and we got to talk about the next stage of this, which is people have already moved on to other cuts they would like to see or other fan movements. But I thought one that was worth acknowledging at least is this discussion of the suicide A or cut. And we're going to maybe flip this around a little bit from the show notes. So let's start with suicide squad. So suicide squad is, I mean, it gets, it made money. It, it started to spun off franchises and established some characters. And I mean, it had a hit soundtrack. It got an Oscar. But it, it was, by all accounts, not like a really great movie. And, like people didn't really like it. But it was also a case where, you know, now as we get further and further away from this and directors are a little bit more free to talk, like more and more we begin to hear or just get inferences from Zack Snyder, from David Ayer about how much the studio kind of stepped in and meddled with their vision. And, and what we got in theaters was this. And David Ayer, I mean, even came out this weekend and said like, he finally just said, like, I mean, he's pretty good-natured. David Ayer has taken his punches from people over Suicide Squad these last few years, and he usually responds and he tries to make it funny or he just tries to be level-headed and say, hey, you know, I get it. You don't like this, you know, whatever, you know, let's move on. He's not like a Todd Phillips angry about it. Um, but he finally did come out and say, like, this sucks, like taking a beating for a film you didn't even really make that, like, somebody else kicked, cut together. And he kind of joined a campaign of people who were saying, now that we got the Snyder cut, we need the Ayer cut because there is, an, there is David Ayer's cut of Suicide Squad. So let's just establish that. This is not like the Snyder cut speculation we were doing for years. Like he came out and said, it exists. It's not hard. 
I filmed a movie. They basically didn't like it and reshot a bunch of stuff on top of it. All we need to do is go back and they can just literally open the vault, pull out mine, dust up a few things and put it out. Like it, it's not hard. So this is a real thing. We're not speculating. Do you guys think that this deserves to happen with the Suicide Squad, Squad A or cut? And do you think doing this and the Snyder cut is a slippery slope? Or do you think this is just kind of fixing something that was broken by the studio and, and kind of bringing resolution to it? We can start with you, Matt. As long no, as no, no. I'm, <laughs> I'm curious. I would actually re- like, like to hear what Janelle and Evan think. All right, fair enough. Um, Well, okay, my thoughts on pulling stuff out of the vault and letting the re-release happen. It could just be like a DC exclusive because DC seems to be the one that wants to keep having this happen. Uh, But uh, I I love more. I want more content. I always do. I don't get tired of this. Um, I want to see it. I'm really excited. Everyone, most of everyone knows that I love Jared... Jared Leto as an actor and a musician. I was so excited to see his take on the Joker. I was extremely disappointed. I was one of those people that was just bummed with what we got from the Jared Leto Joker. The previews or like the trailers, I was just elated. Like he seemed so cool and quirky. I wanted to like actually hear him speak lines uh, or at least act in some way besides just making weird faces at a camera. Um, like we get more of the Joker, Jared Leto Joker in the sh- crappy music video that was released with like Skrillex. <laughs> Excuse me, crappy music video? I'm sorry. Oh, the music video is, is great. The song wasn't great. You know, you're sorry. talking about the platinum soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't love on. it. I think I'm just so salty yeah. about the Joker and how he didn't even get his chance. He's obviously very salty about it. I, anything that can like express Joker in a new way is fun for me. And the more, the better, that's how I see it. But yes, it is a slippery slope that you keep having, having to do this, like maybe trust in your, you know, original films a little bit more to begin with. And you won't have this problem. That is so savage. That's like the worst thing I've ever said on the podcast. No, I don't think it is. And I, and this is my problem with this whole thing, to be honest, like, I think this is what gets lost in the conversation is the, the perspective and the feeling that you even feel that way. Like this Me, was of all people, <laughs> yeah, this was, these movies were a case. And I think, as time and studio kind of fades away and the truth finally comes out because Hollywood is a land of lies and cover-ups and falsehoods for marketing. And when it finally comes out, you're going to find out that the leadership at Warner Brothers at this time was a bunch of chaotic, messy, competing executives kind of cutting throats and doing stuff. And really what they did is they sucked in a bunch of filmmakers, said, we want to support your vision. Like they went out and... They, it wasn't Zack Snyder and David Ayer who started saying, oh, we're going to release all these movies. We're coming from Marvel. We have all this stuff in the gate. We, we got it all. DC, they didn't say DCEU. Yes, we know. But, you know, DC movie universe is going to be crazy. We've got dates. We're dropping dates for Justice League 1, dates for Justice League 2, Man of Steel 2, Cyborg, Flash. Oh, we got a Flash Green Lantern movie at one point. I've been covering all this crap. And that was the studio who did this. And then it was the studio who, once they got the filmmakers in, the, the actors, the crew, 
the, who were all settled on a vision and went after that vision. It was Brilliant a studio in their own right. There yeah. And then said, no, 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 no. We're taking this and we're cutting it up and we're going to put out Batman v Superman. And, and that's what we're putting out. And that wasn't Snyder's movie. Dude, if you ever watch the Ultimate Edition, that is, it's like somebody made a ridiculously stupid long trailer for what a real movie was supposed to be. And like literally the way that theatrical Batman v Superman jumps for scenes, it's like, this is nonsensical. Like there's so much of this that's nonsensical. I get why people hate it. And even if you didn't like the longer version, at least it was a coherent movie. It might've been too long and too dark and depressing for you, but it was a coherent movie. I can be really honest with you. I have not seen any of these movies more than the one time that I saw them. And I tried to get my fiance to watch Suicide Squad with me. And we watch anything and everything. And halfway through, we just turned it off. And that's yeah, the truth. And, and it's just like, I mean, that's the way those movies kind of played. Yeah. And it's the same thing with Ayer. Like his Suicide Squad with the glowing inking, inking man God and the fight scene at the end. Like, none of that's part of his movie. And so it was a rare case where the studio came in and really just cut it up. And I just think that what Ayer himself said, like, he even said it would be cathartic for him to just at least have people see his vision. And then if they want to beat him up on the internet about it, like, at least he's getting beat up about his own thing, like, and not, like, some studio yeah. thing. And so I don't think you should have to feel harsh about saying like the studio screwed up because that's the thing that's true about all this. Mm. I mean, we keep beating up filmmakers, actors, like all this stuff, but it's like, if you hate Batman v Superman or justice league, like you hate what Warner brothers did to those films, like mm -hmm. first and foremost. And I don't think you should have to be. And I think the fans who are fighting for filmmakers visions is the reason I fight so passionately for that is because like, I write, like I'm a writer. I would hope that if somebody ever takes a script or something I wrote and makes something crazy out of it, like that somebody would come along and say, no, like we want to, we know Kofi Alba, we know his vision, like, and people would fight for me like that. If I'm a comic book creator, a movie creator, a songwriter, a book writer, like any of those people, like I want people to fight for my vision, you know, and that's just kind of where I'm coming from. So I don't think, and so I'm kind of split. I think, the Snyder Cut is a slippery slope because the internet gets everything wrong and people take everything way too far. They take something that's like a one-step victory and then they want to go to 100 with it. So now we're hearing Make Solo 2 happen. Yeah, they already right. have. Yeah. They're taking and, that and run with it. Yeah, and they're taking that and run with it. And now you're going to hear start to hear all kinds of absurd things that should get like, you know. Fine with all of those things happening. Yeah. <laughs> like, but, the more the merrier. Let's no, get it. And I, but I am with Matt that it gets crazy. Like, no. Like, shut down the solo petition. And, like, let's drop Rise of Skywalker. Like, JJ's a company man. Let's not pretend JJ was, like, some unique filmmaker with a vision. He's a Disney. Right. Like, I don't want to say a bad word because he has many assassins in power. But, like, <laughs> he's a company man. He's a studio man. Like, he made the movie and they said, we want, we have notes. And he was like, okay. And he did the notes. Um, you know, if you want to say, let's make Colin Trevorrow's Duel of the Fates, like, that's a different conversation. I'm all for that. But, like, yeah, it is a slippery slope. But in the rare case of these kind of Snyderverse era movies at DC, I think each of these should be released in the way that they actually were intended by the filmmaker. And then we can have a discussion. And that's not going to solve all the problems. That's not going to solve any of the problems. I'm not naive. Like, we are going to still be talking about who hates Suicide Squad and why, who hates Justice the League and why, Joker. and who hates Batman v Superman, just like the Ultimate Edition. Like, I've already been the guy who's tried to write up 
2,000 word pieces defending the Ultimate Edition just to have my first comment be like, nah, bro, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, and that's the way it's always going to be. So. But yeah. like, I think the filmmakers deserve their chance to kind of actually have the movie they were agreed to make by a studio that then came and like knocked them out and stole their thing and threw it out in theaters as some hack job. Like, that's not right to me. I think that like, I think I'm in the camp of like, yeah, release Suicide Squad. I think that if you look back, like I remember following all that stuff originally when it was being announced too. And like seeing that original Comic-Con trailer where it had a much darker tone to it. Still one of my favorite trailers of all time. It was, it was legitimately good. And I feel like when you look at the movie, that was effectively like, you could see like the studio notes. You could see like, well, why can't it be like Guardians of the Galaxy? Like, let's have a lot of different music. That's like, literally what happened with that movie. <laughs> they saw Guardians of the Galaxy and they were like, My God. you know, if we throw some like ballroom blitz behind us and do a little slow-mo. Like what, like what song should play when Killer Croc shows up? Oh, Down in the Bayou. Because, you know, he's a crocodile man. Why wouldn't that be the background? And it's just like, I think that there are, for me personally, like, I didn't like the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman. I didn't necessarily, like, it told a better, the story a little bit better. Um, but that doesn't mean, like, I wouldn't want to see David Ayer's take on, like, you know, because maybe, maybe it will be, like, I don't necessarily know. I think that Suicide Squad in and of itself has a number of problems that, that, go a little past the editing and everything and maybe some of the decisions. But honestly, like I wouldn't mind seeing what David Ayer originally thought of for the movie. I didn't know that was the whole like enchantress pop and locking and her brother thing. Was that created by the studio or like, I think enchantress was in it. The whole finale with her and her brother and the magical thing mm. was the studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Originally there was like a much more, the, the, I have to go look it up, but the original ending is a lot more tied into just Enchantress. It's, there's a lot more tied into Joker and that whole thing and like what he's doing. And it's I wish kind of Joker was just the villain. Them versus Waller and trying to get out from under Waller's thumb and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. well, that's what a lot of people thought was the premise was that Joker was going to be kind of figure into the villain yeah. and, there was, and there have was a that, substantial um, part. Yeah. There was that animated movie, uh, Assault on Arkham. Where he is the villain, and it works really yeah. well. Like an hour and a half, it's a one. And done yeah. kind of well, the animated movie is a whole other discussion because I feel like they've done some storylines so incredibly well. Yeah, that yeah. you know, you could just well, literally that's what everybody copy. thought we were getting with Suicide Squad. Yeah, they, but just copy we and paste it. Arkham. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just copy and paste it. Um, yeah. I didn't mean to cut yeah. you off, Evan. I'm sorry. Oh, oh, no worries. No, I was pretty much done. Yeah. Um, okay, so I because I I agree with everybody here actually on certain points. Um, and I think that's what makes this discussion interesting. Um, I, I'm with Evan as far as how I feel about the ultimate edition. And, and I feel like this gets very quickly gets turned into you are not a fan of Snyder or you are. And that's very binary and simple. Uh, I am a big fan of Watchmen. I'm a big fan of Man of Steel. I, aside from Kevin Costner, me not liking his particular take, has nothing to do with Snyder, really, other than casting. That's just a personal thing, just because I love Smallville. But I love that movie. Uh, I'm the one of the 20 people that likes Sucker Punch, right? Like, it's not about <laughs> Snyder. And I realize that, because, like, you know, that movie gets hated on, and I understand for good reason. Uh, but I like that movie. Um, so it's not, it's not anything to do with that. Um, it's it's more about that 
you know, I just, I and I'm still torn. And that was my big thing last week was that I'm, I'm just torn on how I feel about, you know, things being reverted uh, and, and changed, whether it was a studio or what I'm like, I'm kind of more that person that's just ready to move on to something else. Like, would I be curious to see Suicide Squad uh, on TNT one day? Cause I'm bored. Sure. Uh, am I going to go to a theater or queue up a streaming thing to watch it? No, I've not watched it since I saw it in the theater and I was good. I'm done. Uh, you know, and that's, that's just kind of how I am. The Snyder cut is such a different beast that yes, I'm just morbidly curious now to see what this 10 commandments like epic that Snyder keeps saying he made. I'm curious now because this movie evidently is eight hours long. I don't know what he was thinking, but I, you know, as far as like the Suicide Squad cut, I do feel like sometimes it gets construed as like automatically this is going to be better. And I, and I don't necessarily know that in every case that it's going to be better just because it's the complete vision. Like seeing some of the things that Ayer has talked about in the past that he wanted in the movie, like a Deadshot and Harley romance or like the intro being kind of different or the stuff with Enchantress. And that, some of that doesn't really sound better to me uh, than what we got. So, you know, I was torn on Joker. So, you know, I, I liked the, the effort and I liked that he went kind of completely different way than Nicholson and uh, then, of course, Ledger. But I don't need to necessarily see that Joker again. I'm, I'm okay. We got Harley out of it and I'm excited for that. But, you know, that's really it. So, again, I, I'm a little torn on this because it does start a trend. This is the Internet. I, I come across, and Kofi's the same way, a part of our jobs, and Evan knows this, we come across how many petitions how many stupid hashtags how many trending things of i want this and sometimes people don't really know what they want they just want an idea they want a concept they don't really know what that is and then when they get it it's like eh, it's shenmue 2 or sorry shenmue 3 i played that game that game <laughs> oh, is trash the game is trash and i was the biggest shenmue person everyone on their brother was like oh we want shenmue oh remember shenmue and then you get it not everything is a final fantasy 7 remake so what I'm saying is it's it's just it is kind of a slippery slope. I don't need Ghostbusters, the director's cut, the three hour cut that, you know, uh is it Fag or Fag? How do you say it? Is it Paul Faggy? How's it how do you say his name? Oh uh, Paul Faggy, yeah. Yeah. Has, right? He came on Twitter. He came on Twitter and is like, Oh, I have this three hour cut of Ghostbusters. I don't need that. I don't need that at all. <laughs> so that that is where I come from. I'm still kind of conflicted on it. Uh, I mean, I agree with I'm Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, it's just, but that's what happens. It's just what yeah. happens. That is the age we live in. It's just someone. Like I said, DC exclusive. <laughs> but, I mean, a lot of people will try, but I mean, nobody's going to go to bat. Uh, if, let me put it to you this way. If there is a two-year campaign for give me three-hour Ghostbusters <laughs> and they get a billboard in LA or Times Square or, or you know, uh, m like Mason, Georgia. I don't care. Like if they get all that accomplished, then I would say they've earned the right for Sony to put it out. But I don't think we're going to have to worry about that because I don't think anybody's that passionate about that movie. I believe in the democracy of the crowd. Um, I will be very interested to see what, because I would like to re to like touch back on this topic when the cut comes out. Right. Because then I feel like people will watch it and and then we'll actually have a okay so as a as a movie like not as this cool what if scenario like there's a mis mystery about it and there's a intrigue about it right now because we don't know it's it's all yeah. this stuff once that's here and we have something to actually look at 
I will be interested to see what the reaction is. Well, and that's going to be the thing. Once it is here, it, it then has to again hold up to all the usual standards of movie criticism. So we'll see how that goes. We could all be in reverse positions by this time next year. You might love it. I might hate it. You know, it could be Very crazy. True. So we'll see. All right, moving right along. We're going to do a quick shout out. Um, we're going to get into some Geek Watch stuff. And I'm going to do a quick shout out of uh, what we do in the shadows. I you know, a shout out, it's always sunny, but there's a lot of comedy series I like to watch and enjoy that I don't necessarily need to make part of my job and, you know, share with the internet and the internet's opinion. Um, this is one of them. So I have been watching it, but then I thought, you know, probably should use this platform to, you know, hype shows that are, that I do enjoy and maybe want to keep around. But this one's already safe. It's been renewed for season three. But uh, what we do in the shadows is basically the TV adaptation of Taika Waititi's um, and Jermaine Clement's kind of you know, breakout movie that kind of helped put them both on the map in an even bigger way. And it was kind of, and it's basically the office with vampires. It's a documentary crew filming a kind of a a vampire couple and, and their two and their roommates who live in this creepy house in Staten Island. And uh, they have one familiar named Guillermo and they basically, it's just a sitcom about them and you know, the hijinks they get up to and the vampire and this kind of comedic, version of the vampire world and it's it is fx has been killing it lately and fxx and fx have both been killing it on comedies like what we do in the shadows it's always sunny uh the little dicky dave show we talked about atlanta and this is just another hit because this is it's hilarious and it's just enjoyable in the way that the office is but if you're a horror fan then it's like uh even better because there are these kind of references to like creatures from horror there's like one one day they are trying to have an orgy in one episode and there's an argument about how many baba dukes actually came through the door or not and like there's actually a guy dressed as a baba duke one of the favorite <laughs> characters is this i would say like the white the dwight type character is this guy named colin robinson oh who's gosh. your roommate who's an energy vampire. And so he's like just this boring kind of guy. One guy in one episode says he looks like, they call him like Dilbert looking guy. And he is just kind of like, like Dilbert. And he just, he feeds off just boring people to basically and draining their energy. And so like, there's a he lot of He can do that to vampires and he, too. Yeah, and he can do hilarious. it to vampires. And so he like does it to his roommates. And so, um, yeah. And it's just like a, it's very kind of good in the kind of visual ironic humor of the office where it's not like outright slaps the comedy, it's them saying things and then you kind of like having to pay attention to scenes. And it is a comedy show you do have to listen to and pay attention to, like because there are so many just dialogue and sight gags and things like that that they do. Um, but it really kind of takes vampire mythology and makes comedic gold out of it from like eternal life and different things they've lived through to people that they are, that they know and kind of have cameos from like, Elvis I love the cameos. They have great cameos. And, like, yeah. And they know a bunch of famous people and the characters themselves are like, it's always sunny in the sense that these vampires, I mean, obviously they're vampires, so they, <laughs> they do kill and eat people, but as just their personalities, they're, they're just not great people. Um, in general, like one of them is this guy who used to be a, a war, basically like Genghis Khan warlord. Um, the couple is this kind of she vampire who's like really kind of this bitchy ravenous she vampire. And then her husband who she turned who was like this kind of like English aristocrat type guy. And yeah, and they're just like, it's just a great ensemble and they're all really funny. And like the stuff with the familiar Guillermo is like really funny. And there's a whole subplot about him. So the f- a familiar yeah. is basically like your your servant. Yeah, it's who, Renfield from Dracula. Yeah, Lord, yeah. So. And he's hilarious because he like wants to be a vampire so badly. 
Yeah, and, and they won't like, turn him. And, like, and then like they, they find a group yeah. of LARPers. Just shout out to all the nerds out there. They find LARPers and they're like, yeah, we need virgins. So they go to a LARPing group. And like, yeah. like that's how they... And uh, from what's your name from uh, Booksmart BB Fettelstein, Jonah Hill's brother is like in a big arc in season one. That's really hilarious. But uh, I think why it came up is... Season two is coming down to the end and the last few episodes really caused a buzz on social media because season two has really, like The Office, has really hit its stride in, in kind of some of the concepts they've done. Um, and there's just been some really, really hilarious episodes, some of the funniest stuff I've seen all year. So <laughs> check that out. And, and one of the last episodes of season one is great is that really kind of blew up was they do a thing where they have to meet the Vampire Tribunal and they basically get actors who have been in famous vampire shows or movies like including like taika waititi and jermaine clement and they like they have tilda swinton who was in uh what's that and what you call it with uh tom hilston um evan rachel wood from true blood danny trejo oh from um what you call it uh oh i can't believe i'm blanking on that. did they get any twilight people Dust Till Dawn, yeah, from Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> and, and even Wesley Snipes, like, zooms in. Oh, my gosh. Because they, they yell at him for being the daywalker, and, like, it's hilarious. And they say, like, they mention, like, Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt they can't get because the show's not big enough. And, stuff. and they got, <laughs> they got uh, Pee Wee Herman awesome. to reflect oh, yeah. the role from, from the, Buffy, the, yeah. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Like, yeah, Pee Wee Herman. So and even, like, oh, do the shtick again, and even Dave Bautista shows up in there, and, like, it, it's great. And so there's some hilarious cameos and there are a bunch of famous people who pop up and some of which you don't even recognize because of the nature of like the vampire stuff. There's just some people like who just like come and go through it and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> and like, so there's some great stuff in there. Um, uh-huh. SNL's Vanessa Bayer has a great episode. <gasps> what? Oh my God. I didn't know Vanessa Bayer was in there. Some <laughs> of the best episodes of It's Always Sun or of What We Do in the Shadows are the Colin Robinson standalone episodes. They have one each season and she's in the first one. Where she's a, oh he meets his match and she's an emotional vampire. <laughs> and so like, it's such too. a great episode. <laughs> okay, yeah. I need to so, watch the show. Yeah, so that's a great show. It's now, the thing we're bringing up is FX has been kind of slept on because they made it really hard to find some of these shows. And mm. uh, now they're all on Hulu with the Disney Defox. Oh, rock on. Yeah. Okay. So all this stuff is on Hulu now. So you can go check it out real easy. So that's me. Uh, we're going to jump into Geek Watch real quick to close out the show. We're going to be uh, talking comics. So, Matt. What do we got for comics this week? Well, did you want to do your uh, really sure. cool? Uh, well, I was going to say, so yeah, let's start with Janelle. Okay. Uh, where are so, we on the Doctor Strange train? Okay, so I finally got to Doctor Strange The Oath. Ah. And I know you warned me that it was, it's just a short little series. I only have number one to read because you have to have like this really big amazing membership and I only have the basic membership to comicsology, (laughs) but um, I, it's, it's really great. um, If anyone is trying to like hop on and they kind of already know his backstory, um, they, they do a quick little refresher of his backstory. Like he explains it like quick, like I was this facetious guy and then I wrecked my car and then I couldn't perform surgery. So I found, you know, this awesome temple and I learned how to be this person. But um, yeah, it's, it's actually really well-written and easy to follow. Some of, I've noticed like some of them have so many references to other series and other heroes and other people that they've like come into contact with that I get a little lost and I'm kind of bummed like, Oh dang it. Well, where do I go to find that person? And this one is very straightforward, really easy to, to read and understand what's going on. 
And then I know that the next one I'm reading is the one you're like super pumped about. That's <laughs> the one I'm jazzed about. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, well, and two, it is one of the things that you do encounter with older books is that either A, there was like a time there where it kind of got, it wasn't um, preferred to put like as many editor's notes in the okay. book. So like you would see those little boxes that like see right. issue number whatever and that kind of yes. thing. Like for a minute they kind of rein that in because also to be fair at some points it felt like there was like 90 of those things in oh, every yeah. book. It, it was did. like oh, no, go even here. in the ones I've been reading it felt yeah. like that. I it was, was like kind of go and like completely different series too, not like yeah. oh just go back a couple issues. I was like, no, see this tie in and see this thing. Yes. And it's very overwhelming if you yes. are newer to either that character or that series. So they did rein that in, which was nice. They probably went overboard. So nowadays yeah. it seems to be like there's a nice little balance of let's right. hit at some other things. That's probably why I'm the most excited for you. Cause I feel like reading the oath now, just even the first issue and I'll work on trying right. to get you the other issues. Yeah. Cause um, I really want to know what happens with long. Yeah. I might just gift them to you. I just oh buy them and give my them gosh. To you. Uh, but yeah, it's cause it's good. It's a good series, but even if not, uh, like if you don't want to start, if you want to go ahead and start on the new series. Oh, I'm first, going to. Yeah. Um, Even if I'm I have really to go excited. back. Because I think what you've already come to understand about the character feeds really well into the new series. They take that and they kind of run with it. Um, yeah. There is a couple of things that like stuff happened in the last event or whatever. So you are mm -hmm. going to run into that every so often. But yeah, I'm excited. But I'm glad. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you As I'm them. reading them, I'm starting to realize why fandoms are so territorial of their heroes because it, it there is so much up for interpretation. Like, yes, you get the dialogue, but you kind of create this character in your mind. You fill in those blanks. You have this tone that this character speaks with in your mind. You have this concept of this person. They, it really allows you a lot of freedom to interpret the hero the way you want to interpret that person. So when these actors get cast and they're up on the big screen, I can't even imagine the amount of pressure they feel to try to appease everyone. And I have to say, like, there is no disappointment with me with the casting for Doctor Strange. I, I just think they did such a good job with him. Yeah, I think they I think they got that very right. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Well, I'm so excited then uh, for the next one. Now, the next one's kind of long because those that's all okay. of those I'll issues should be I'll available. Start early. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that will be awesome. Uh, before we move into other comics, Kofi, I know you had something you wanted to shout. Oh, uh, yeah, since we have Evan here, uh, I'm just going to talk manga real quick. Uh, if you guys haven't been following our conversations or you're not up on comicbook.com anime, we told you when quarantine lockdowns began, this is a great time to jump into manga. It's super affordable. Shonen Jump is like one of the most affordable services you can get since they realized the kind of connection between anime and manga and try to use one to boost the other and vice versa. So they made it really affordable for you to get kind of a monthly subscription, get access to so much content and so much of it great. <laughs> If you've never jumped into this, you can find out what's the deal with Dragon Ball, Boruto, Naruto, uh, Demon Slayer, Promise Neverland, like all that other stuff that you've never read before that's from the Shonen universe. Uh, One Punch, you know, there's so much you can get into if you're looking to get lost right now. Um, and it's really exciting right now. Demon Slayer is coming into a close. We're not going to give you any spoilers because some drastic stuff has been happening over in that series. But if you've been hearing the buzz about this, this is one of the best new series out. It's basically about a bunch of people who are swordsmen, you know, who fight demons that they're trying to slay. Uh, there's a big bad demon and there's a young unlikely hero who finds out he might be 
you know, Neo of this whole demon slaying thing. And, you know, it goes from there. And it's awesome. The anime kind of really broke out because the production and the visuals of, and especially of the unique way they, they fight using these different kind of elemental and, and emotion-based breathing techniques is insane. And the manga, it looks gorgeous. And I was always wondering, like, you know, how are they going to do this on screen? And it's even more gorgeous on screen. So it's, oh, yeah. it's nuts. So, I mean, all you got to do is look around for some of the video clips and memes and, and on Twitter. Just look up Demon Slayer and look up videos and you'll see people have, you know, put out those visuals. So that's coming down to a finale and that's crazy hot right now. My Hero Academia, if you've been hearing about this the last few years, has finally gotten to the big boy stuff. Um, they promised there was going to be this all-out war arc between heroes and villains. They weren't kidding. And this last, I think, Evan, this last chapter was one of my top 10 easiest favorite manga chapters of all time. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it was really, it's really just like, it's like the precipice before the big fall, essentially, yeah. without giving any spoilers away to anybody, like a big event has happened. That is yeah, and it, this, point of and it just highlights the, the why manga is in some ways, is very different to read than comics, and yeah, in some sure. ways much more, and I don't compare them because I like them both for different reasons, but the, the unique richness of manga, this last chapter in My Hero Academia is just one sequence. It's one action sequence for 17 pages with a ton of gorgeous artwork and so much detail packed into each and every single panel of that artwork. Um, and it's a nail biting, like edge of your seat, like page turning, like, Oh crap. Oh crap. Oh crap. From page one to page the end. And you're just like, and at the end you're like, Oh my God, I need to know what happens next. Like it's, I can't, I can't wait to see that like all animated in the yeah. anime itself to see like all yeah. that goes down and everything. It's going to be really nice looking. Anime. I hope they, and I hope they do not like shrink away from just like the horror of it. And just like, Ooh, yeah. Shiraki's uh, origin story. That's rough. Man. That and just, you know, crust man. Crust. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we're all mourning crust. Yeah. yeah. I didn't think I'd care so much, but crust. <laughs> Him and uh, what's hero, man. X, X less. I think his name was the other guy. Uh, yeah, Xless. Yeah, you just met that dude. If you got smoked <laughs> immediately. Um, yeah, and my hero's killing people. Like it's it's not a joke. I mean, this has been a friendly superhero series. It had some dark moments. This is a real war. And I even wrote like a feature. We've been breaking down features, Evan, me, and like I wrote one that said this. This has to be like a real brutal, brutal actual war. And it yeah. is. Yeah. Um, and I th I think that kind of goes back to like there's you know I've been reading like comic books and manga all my life and. I think that one of the major differences is that like with manga, even though they go on for decades, like one piece has been going on for 20 years, there is kind of like a set ending in mind. Like we're, I yeah. don't think we're ever going to see the ending of like Spider-Man or Batman or, you know, the X-Men or something like that. But with a lot of these manga stories, like they set out with an ending in mind, there's going to be a beginning, a middle and an ending. It might be really long, but like at the end of the day, that's something that you're going to probably be able to experience when all is said and done. So it's yeah. like a, it's a difference between. Uh, it's kind of like TV in America used to be. And then and versus TV in Britain where they were like, okay, we're making a series. It's going to have series one, series two, series three. We're out when we're like, how can we get 10 seasons out of this? Um, yeah. So it makes it exciting. So there's a lot of exciting stuff. And Boruto is, is if you don't like the Boruto anime, Check out the manga. That's like the real success yeah, of Naruto right there. And it is pretty It's tough. Crazy. Like the, the anime for Naruto and Boruto has always had that stuff, like the problem with quote unquote filler, you know, like yeah. the stories that they create. 
specifically for television. But yeah, like I would advise, I didn't, I like wasn't watching the anime that much, but like the manga is killing it in terms of like the differences between the Ninja stories. action to the best. So make sure you check out manga as we just wanted to throw that in because hot stuff's happening right now. Matt, close us out. What's going on in comics that are coming back online? What do we got coming our way? All right. So uh, this week we're starting to actually get a, a nice output of comics. Uh, so number one, there's a new comic uh, from Ryan Parrott who, of Power Rangers fame. He's got a new book from Aftershock Comics, which is Dead Day. It's completely something completely different, uh, which essentially has like a Day of the Dead type event where all the dead rise and you're able to kind of converse with them. And it's, it's like that annual celebration um kind of taking coco and then mixing it with walking dead because like not every single person comes back on good terms and wants to necessarily you know convene with their families some just want to do horrible things and you never quite know so uh that issue actually kicks off or that series kicks off this week uh gogo power rangers also is number 31 we're getting close to the very end of that series uh r.i.p i will miss you uh alienated number three uh is out as is aquaman number 59 uh suicide squad number five is uh i don't i won't get into spoilers but there's some really like i really dig this issue i mean this this series has been great best it's been in years yeah uh but this one especially like plays with that thing of you know taylor very much said and the whole premise of the suicide squad is that like you're not supposed to get invested or you are supposed to get invested but you're never really supposed to know who can go everybody can go uh, and that very much, they play with that all throughout the series. And this issue, again, plays with that in a lot of different ways. Uh, G.I. Joe number six, Mercy number two, Avengers number 33, which is for Moon Knight fans, this is the start to the big uh, age of Conchu arc. So definitely check that out. It starts here. Uh, there's been some teases and things like that, but really starts here. Uh, for Star Wars fans, Dr. Afra has come up on the show a couple of times, uh, a number one. Uh, comes out this week. So if you want to hop onto that character, this is a perfect time to do so. Venom number 25, and then also another new series, uh, Rogue Planet number one. Uh, quick shout out, if you are, I, there are a couple of comics that you'll hear me talk about a lot. Um, Ether is one of those books, uh, and it's, it's constant. Uh, it's just so imaginative and just really different than anything else out there. You can actually head to comicbook.com and read the first issue free right on the site. So it is definitely something if you're looking for something a little different outside of the superhero uh, vibe, this is definitely that. I couldn't recommend it more, and you get the first issue free right now. So that is comics. All right. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. I want to thank everybody for tuning in once again. If you're just now getting into the show because you've been on quarantine, lockdown, or just staying at home more, we put up new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on comicbook.com where you can subscribe to our RSS feed and get regular updates about new episodes, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platforms. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Playlists. You can tell Amazon Alexa devices to fire up Comic Book Nation Podcast, or you can find video of us on the comicbook.com YouTube page. If you want to ah, weigh in on any topics that we we're talking about, drop us any topics we should talk about or just reach out and say what's up. You can always find us at the hashtag comic book nation and you can find me at Kofi Outlaw. You can, you find, can me. find me. Uh, I, wait, yeah. this time, I waited we do last this time. every week. We <laughs> literally do it every single week. That was totally my fault. My bad. No, my you fault. are second chair. No, go Janelle. Okay, that was fine. you. You can find me at Janelle Wheeler. You guys already know that. Thanks for popping by in the Twitch channel, everyone. You can find me at Matt Aguilar CB. <laughs> Evan? Oh, and you can find me at uh, EV Comedy on uh, Twitter. 
That'll do it for this episode. Once again, thank you if you are just tuning in. We hope to see you guys next time. Take care of yourselves. Stay healthy. Stay tuned in. And we hope to see you again. Peace. Peace.